Join us for our first 2016 SEI Grand Rounds podcast series, sponsored by Kessler Foundation. Guest speaker Sandra Wojciechowski discusses advances in rehabilitation technology. Sandra is an advanced clinical specialist and neurorecovery network clinical supervisor at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation and physical therapist at Kessler Foundation. This lecture was recorded on Wednesday, January 20, 2016, and is presented by the Northern New Jersey Spinal Cord Injury System, which is supported by a grant from the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. NIDILRR grant number 90SI5011-01-00. NIDILRR is a center within the Administration for Community Living, Department of Health and Human Services. This is very heavy PT-based because I'm PT. OT has a lot of technologies as well. I'll throw a few OT uh, technology devices in this slide, in this presentation, but um, I certainly don't do any justice for any OTs in the room, so I apologize. But you can do this next time all in OT, and I won't be offended if you forget PT. Um, so objectives are just to describe the importance of integrating technologies into the rehab uh, facility to re uh, facilitate recovery um, and to introduce you guys to a large variety of technologies um, which are currently or being used or have been considered to be used at Kessler Institute. So we don't have everything in this slide, but we've either tried it or have been considering getting it, so we've looked into it, um, which means there's probably a lot of other technologies out there that I won't be addressing today. All right, so the, the gist, and again, this is more uh, not quite all for you guys, but basically in PT, uh, there's traditional therapies, lower extremity bracing, locomotor training, the locomat, um, augmented feedback, spinal assessment assistance. Uh, there's overhead tracking systems for safety. We use FES, vibration, and robotics. So basically technology is integrated into all of these things. Traditional physical therapy, um, our focus is on functional independence when they're coming to inpatient as well as outpatients. Uh, we're doing basic education uh, with pressure sh weight shifts and pressure reliefs uh, in skin checks and stretching. Um, we're using pressure mapping with wheelchair clinic for seating systems um, and those kind of things. We work on transfers, um, positional changes, positional tolerances, so for patients to be able to tolerate standing, all things you guys know, and obviously gait, because every patient's goal is to walk, right? Um, so this is sort of the traditional sense, and I'm just going to be talking about how we're using technology to address these uh, traditional PT ideas. So the first thing is the static brace. Uh, first, the CAFO on the left, knee ankle foot orthosis, and on the right, the ankle foot orthosis. These technologies have not changed a lot. They're very static braces. Um, yes, the AFO you can cut into an articulating brace, but there's not much technology advancement in these types of braces that we are currently still giving patients. Um, and insurances are paying for these braces, but it's important that we remember there's a lot of dynamic opportunities out there. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about is a dynamic brace for the knee um, and so for the CAFA one of our options for using technology is called a stance control orthosis. So this patient is walking so it's still a very it looks a lot like a knee ankle foot orthosis like a traditional CAFO but because she has some hip flexor strength the knee actually um, unlocks as she comes over her toe to allow her to flex at the hip and as she hits heel strike the knee locks out so it's a it's a it's a improvement on the traditional static CAFO that we use with patients. Uh, in this video, there's a woman using it just on one leg, so we may see someone more like a Hemi, but I can tell you we've had uh, two patients I can think of off the top of my head who are 
uh, lower motor neuron injuries, so bilateral lower extremity involvement, and they've both gotten bilateral stance control orthosis. Uh, they're not community ambulators, but it does provide for a more dynamic gait and a more natural gait pattern. The other options we have for dynamic bracing for the AFO um, are the BioNest and the WalkAid. The big difference between the two is the BioNest, which I'm more familiar with, so I'll probably talk more on that, um, has the foot sensor that goes inside the shoe. So when the patient has pressure on the heel, the stem is off. As they raise the heel off at terminal stance, the stem turns on to bring the foot into dorsiflexion. As they land on the heel, it eccentrically lowers the foot to avoid foot slap. Um, and so with pressure, the device is off. When the weight is off, the sensor, the, the stem is on, giving dorsiflexion. Uh, and the walk aid, which is, they both have the cuff system, you can see. Uh, the, the walk aid, the one on the left, um, has a tilt sensor built into it. So based on the, the angle of the tibia, it fires the stem. So just to give an example. Okay. Turn her off for a second. So you can see this lady's bilateral foot drop. She's dragging her toes as she walks. Um, and she does have the walk aids on. So this is how she looks before. And just to show you what she looks like after with the stem turned on. So this is bilaterally, and we have really nice heel strike and really nice toe off. So again, a way to use technology to have a dynamic brace to replace what we currently use as an AFO. Now, our big issue a lot of times is what is insurance paying for, but I think it's important that as therapists, we're always writing these letters of medical necessity to explain to them how much better their body, uh, the patient is walking, how much safer they're walking with this dynamic brace. Um, I'll show you uh, Bioness, because I don't want to be partial to one. I got videos from both people. Uh, so you can see here, a lot of foot drag, a lot of toe drag through swing. And he's just a unilateral. And then with the device turned on, so as he puts weight off the heel sensor, the stem turns on to help him get dorsiflexion through swing. BioNest also has another device called the 300 Plus. Um, and the 300 Plus you can use for people that have a lot of record bottom. So this patient, I'm sure we're all cringing watching this, um, has a lot of record bottom. She has a lot of toe drag. She's walking very slow. Uh, has a lot of trouble getting her left leg through in swing. This is all with the device turned off. And then when we turn the device on, as she walks, <coughs> the hamstring is, is uh, getting stimulation to try to give a little knee flexion so she can't go into record bottom, right? So we're stimulating the hamstring to avoid it from hyperextending at the knee. And I think we can all agree that's a much nicer gait pattern. And down the line, she's probably gonna have far fewer orthopedic issues with her knee um, if she is able to purchase this for home. I can't talk about technologies without somehow sneaking in the Christopher and Dana Ree Foundation because I work so closely with them. Um, but just to remind everyone who hasn't taken our course, these are the, three, the four principles of locomotor training. Um, and we are using technologies uh, in our treadmill to uh, provide this kind of therapy to patients. So again, the importance of uh, locomotor training or the principles of locomotor training are maximizing weight bearing, getting as much weight on the patient's legs as possible, optimizing sensory cues. Um, and this is what's gonna be the big, big difference between the locomat and the locomotor training program is that we're only touching the patient in tendons or muscles that we wanna fire in that part of the gait cycle. So when I want knee extension, I'm gonna hit the patellar tendon. And if I want knee flexion, I'm gonna hit the medial hamstring. 
Um, and it's important I'm not touching anything else. I'm not grabbing anything. It's just a quick touch for sensory cue so the body can react appropriately. The third one is to optimize kinematics for each motor task. So when I'm working on walking, I'm always adjusting my walking with my partner who might be on the other leg, that we're taking appropriate step lengths, step, step uh, widths, that our, our um, speed, our swing phase is at the same time, um, that they have, the patient has good pelvic rotation and arm swing. And then maximizing recovery, minimizing compensation uh, is actually to get rid of all bracing so that they're able to do all the activities they used to do without bracing. And the technology part of this is our treadmill. So this is locomotor training. And this treadmill allows us to take a patient like this who weighs you know, 250 plus pounds and put him safely um, over a treadmill. Um, and ergonomically, our techs are able to sit um, on an elevated treadmill and walk this patient's legs. So if you think about um, the technology involved in this, this, this treadmill is elevated, so our, our techs have back support. They have a foot rest where they can push back a little bit to maintain good posture at the trunk. Um, and then they're really facilitating only where they need to for a proper stepping pattern. Um, and this is really important because I'm sure many of you have tried walking your patients on a low treadmill or a standard treadmill and you're really hunched over um, and you're really uncomfortable and you can only do about a minute before you start to have some back or shoulder pain. Um, so it's, you know, there are a lot of benefits to having this elevated treadmill. And of course we see the results from our patients too when they're sitting with really poor posture like this guy. Here he is able to sit up a little bit when I ask him to lift his head so it does improve. So we do get a little bit upright. Um, but it's all about giving the patient the opportunity to, to improve their sitting posture. And sometimes it's a matter of just putting their pelvis in the right position um, and they're really working on trunk there. So on the treadmill in, these, in this situation, even though he's an AGB patient, uh, we are always working on his trunk in that environment. And then we come off the treadmill, we're still working on trunk. So as I sort of alluded to, the big difference between locomotor training and the locomat program um, is really the sensory cues that are provided. So the locomat program, video on this one too, the Locomot program is just a robotic-assisted gait device. Um, it is highly adjustable. Uh, so like I said, with the locomotor training, we're constantly adjusting our speed, our step speed, our swing phases, uh, our hip, our step width, as well as our step length, um, heel strike and toe off. These are all adjustable parameters on the Locomat itself. This Locomat also provides with us with biofeedback. So the biofeedback, um, and you can't see here what he's looking at straight ahead is a big TV screen and it has four joints. So it has the left and right hip joint and knee joints. And we can focus on one joint where he can focus on either lifting the hip and you can see a spike in the activity that the, that the motor can sense or driving the leg back and he can also see a spike for that. Um, for the most part, we don't use the biofeedback feature because it's just a graph and it's kind of boring. Uh, the really cool thing about the Locomat is it has augmented feedback and the augmented feedback is an avatar. So we put a little avatar on the screen and we integrate, integrate some kind of a game. Um, so the patient is first just trying to walk in a straight line. Um, that's the easiest one. And then we have games where they're chasing, uh, they're walking on a path or they're trying to collect animals or coins. And the hardest one is where they're trying to collect animals that are moving. So uh, depending on the activity level of the patient, or their, their, uh, how much movement they have in their legs, we can adjust the games to challenge them. Another really nice thing about this device is the guidance force. So we can put patients in here who have absolutely no volitional movement and the guidance force is 100%, which means the robot is doing all of the work. 
We could also put a patient in there who has some volitional movement, maybe just at the hip or the knee, and we can start decreasing the guidance force. And it doesn't have to be equal. So maybe they have a little bit on the right, but they need full assist on the left. I can leave the left at 100% assist and start decreasing the right. So the patient has um, a little bit of wiggle room where they can give more effort and the machine will help less, but it can sense if they're messing up their gait pattern and it will start to help. Uh, it, won't, it won't let them trip up or stop, so um, there's a built-in safety for that. But the augmented feedback um, is all the interactive games that the patients really, really like. Right. So here's a video for the Valedo. So um, the, the Valedo shape was a tool that we tried here in our, um, I think they tried in ortho as well. We tried it with our um, SCI population. And it, if you roll it down the patient's spine, it gives you the exact joints between the vertebral body. So you can see, especially for like ortho patients, if there's a lock or some kind of uh, uh, tightness in the joints. Um, I can say we didn't end up using it in the spinal cord gym because the patient had to have a lot of flexibility and we use it as an assessment tool, but we really were, we already know that about our patients. They had poor posture, um, so it wasn't something we continued to use, but it's certainly something that I think a lot of our ortho um, team members could benefit from using. Um, so this is just one of the other options that we have. The, another thing we really like from Hokuma is the augmented feedback. It's called the Valedo Motion, and this one was a lot of fun. So, um, so um, the Valeda motion, I think uh, we had we had mixed feelings about. I think generally we really liked it. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was really easy to apply to patients. at double-sided tape. It was pretty sterile, easy to use, clean. Um, but the issue was we had this tiny little laptop in front of us, and it was really hard once a patient got going to leave them. It was really difficult to do that. So you almost needed more one-on-one -on -one care, which is sometimes hard for us. Um, but as, as far as technology goes, patients really enjoy using this kind of thing. It's again that visual feedback, that augmented feedback, um, and I think that this just shows sort of where rehab's going, like we did with the with like the Wii Fit. People like to play games, right, more than they like to pull on TheraBand and lift dumbbells. Um, so it was a really good environment for us to work on trunk. And I think in the spinal cord population, it was really good because uh, the trunk is something that we're working on every single day when we're doing sitting and even some standing exercises, if they can do standing. Um, and it was a, allowed us to, a new opportunity to work on balance. So instead of sitting on a sisal disc every time we did balance, we could throw in some technology and it was a lot of fun um, to use with patients. And you can see from the video, there are all kinds of different positions patients can be in to use it. Um, so we really had a lot of fun with the Vlado Motion. Um, and the games were really fun because you could do like a two minute game or a 10 minute game. Um, and there were different varying levels of difficulty for each game. Uh, so I don't know if you guys used it in patients, but we had an outpatient for a while, it was a lot of fun. Um, another way we can use, 
to this video. Uh, technology is, is for overhead systems. So you can see this guy here. Uh, he can lay on the ground. It can lower him all the way down to the ground. He can stand up. Let's say he accidentally loses his balance. It won't let him fall. So it's a really good feature to use if you're doing gait training or fall recovery with patients. Um, we are considering getting one of these in our outpatient department, hopefully soon. Um, and you know, benefits of it are just safer, big, uh, high-level positional changes. It's safer for walking over ground. A little bit easier, more mobile to use than the light gate, which can be really cumbersome. And the harness in the light gate, I think we all can agree on, is not the most comfortable harness in the world. Uh, I did get an opportunity to go in here and put this harness on, um, but we didn't take video of it. Thank goodness. Um, and it is pretty comfortable. It's really, it, um, it's really quite comfortable. You don't feel restricted in it. Um, and as far as the weight of the harness above um, that little guy on top with the light that's moving, uh, you can't feel the weight. So as you're walking, you don't feel friction. You don't think any, feel anything pulling on you. Uh, it's really, you feel very safe in it. Um, so I think what we hope to use it for is for overground gait training um, and some stair training for some of our patients just to make stairs a little safer. And it will help give patients more confidence as well. Um, I think sometimes patients can perform better on stairs and walking, but they get nervous of falling, so they're maybe a little more tense or using their arms more than they need to. Uh, so this will be a device we can hopefully use to improve more patient outcomes. All right. So functional electric stim, we all use the RTI bikes um, and they're, they're great now that we can do 12 channels of stim. You know, we're able to stim all the muscles of the lower legs for our, our bilateral patients. If we have hemis, we can use a whole leg and do trunk exercises. Um, but there's a, a really good, really a lot of uses for the, uh, for the RTI equipment. So we have the standard bike that we all know, the SL. So uh, the RT300 SL just means stim legs. Um, and that's the bike. It's driven by the quads, um, and then it also fires. You can do the hamstrings, the anterior tib, and the gastroc is a muscle we want everyone to do because it helps with pumping any kind of swelling or fluid out of the lower leg so that patients who have excessive swelling, we can get some of that out of there. Um, it's also good because you can push a lot of resistance so we can see muscle fiber growth. The recommended use of the bike is five to six times a week for one hour. Um, and it's a relatively easy setup. Um, most patients who are paras can set themselves up. Um, some tetras have been able to set themselves up, but it does take a lot longer. Um, but again, we really want to be stimming the legs, and then we're doing an activity that provides resistance. Um, and this is an old video because that's the old uh, screen, the Sage. Now there's a, like a little guy riding a bike, and he's going through a town, so it's not quite as boring. Um, but I think they need to make it more interactive. But the technology has definitely improved. Uh, so this is the stim legs. Then there's the SLSA, which is stim legs, stim arms. Um, you can't do both at the same time, but this is a really good piece of equipment that we can use for our Tetras. Um, and this machine isn't driven by one muscle in particular, like the bike is driven by the quads. Uh, the leg bike is driven by the quads. This ergometer, um, you can fire, you can fix sublocks, do biceps, triceps, wrist extensors, flexors, fingers, uh, scap stabilizers, you can do erectors. Um, and they have to have the mobility in the arms. So this machine is a lot diff more difficult to set up. They have to have a lot more range of motion in the shoulders than the legs have to have. Um, but it's still a great exercise to work on recruiting more muscles during activity. And again, with resistance to help improve muscle fiber growth. Um, we use the Sage. So the Sage is that screen on top a lot off the bike now. So we're doing a lot more uh, using the technologies that we have um, for functional exercises. So right now in our clinic, we're using it a lot for uh, sit-ups. So we'll just load the abs up. We'll do 
you know, upper abs, lower abs, hip flexors, obliques, maybe even quads, and we'll just practice sit-ups. Um, we'll do trunk extensors, you know, loading the back up with electrodes and have the patient working on coming up. So really trying to, um, in, the, in the past in, in PT, when we used them, you know, maybe for ankle dorsiflexion, they would just do ankle dorsiflexion. Now we're really trying to incorporate it with functional activities and movements uh, to get more muscle recruitment during exercise. So we are using it off the bike a lot, which is, is really exciting. The restorative therapies also makes a bike called the 200. We don't have this, uh, this bike yet, but it is on our wish list. Um, and this bike allows you to do upper body and lower body at the same time. So the SLSA does not allow upper and body at the same time. You have to do just the legs or just the arms. This is very similar to a new step. Um, and you can also stim the arms, but this patient just happens to be doing only the legs. So you could do three muscles of the legs and three muscles of the arms, or one in the arms and five in the legs. It's the same thing, you get 12 channels. Um, so you can do six on the right or six on the left, or you can do all on the right, depending on what type of patient you have. So these machines are not just for spinal cord. A lot of these patients, a lot of our patients would benefit from this with any neurological condition, uh, and especially like our strokes and our brain injuries. Um, and I know our, our neuro team is gonna start working a lot more with these units, so that's exciting too. Um, but again, we don't have this, but I've heard a lot of really good things about it. The 600. So I went to the RTI training the, in Baltimore and we got to see this machine as well. So this is a weight bearing device. It's kind of like an elliptical motion, like you and I would do the elliptical at the gym. Um, and it's driven by body weight. So it's trying to load the patient down. Um, I think you can tell from the look of the machine that the setup is probably pretty difficult. Um, you have to have a mat table right behind in case the patient gets orthostatic. Um, so this, and, and the setup can take a while. But I have been assured that once you've done it a few times, probably similar to the RTI bikes, um, that you really get going with it and it doesn't take as long. But I know initially in the training when I did it, it felt like it took a long time to set up. Um, but patients really like it. I've, I've heard some positive things from patients that use it at another facility in New Jersey. Um, and they seem to really like it. I'd say it's a very hard workout, so they're exhausted when they're done. Um, again, something we've considered getting here. Um, it's on our wish list, so we'll see what happens. Uh, another technology that we've been using is called the, the Galileo, uh, so vibration therapy. And we're really using this at this point for spasticity um, management. And the, it's an alternating uh, right to left oscillatory movement. So it's really taking the pelvis right and left to simulate, uh, be similar to walking. And depending on the foot position, you know, if it's really narrow, it's just a mild movement at the hip, and then the wider the foot position, the more hip movement you'll have. Um, so there's some video here, and this is with the Galileo turned off. I think there's audio too. And this patient's trying to do, so he's an incomplete tetra, I don't know him, but this is the video they sent me. Um, and basically the email said, he's an incomplete tetra, you can tell he's really struggling to get a lot of extension here to try and do his squats, he's having a really hard time. Um, so what he does is he uses it with the stem turned on. And this isn't full weight bearing, I realize, because the next video he is full weight bearing. This is probably 70, 80 degrees. Um, but in the next video, where he's at 90 degrees, which probably makes a difference too, the vibration is on. And he's able to much more easily flex and extend his knees and do little mini squats. So, much easier. So what's happening is the vibration is, the, the most this goes to is 27 hertz. And what that means is that uh, the oscillation is forcing the muscles to co-contract at 27 times per second. So it's quite, um, if you've never been on it, it's 
an intense feeling because you almost feel like you can't move because everything is co-contracting. Um, but for people with spasticity, you can see with it on, it, he makes, it makes movement much easier because in the long run, after you've done it for a few minutes, your legs, your spasticity actually decreases. So if you have movement in the legs, you can move more. Um, so in clinic, what we see uh, with a patient right now that we see, she, she comes in the clinic really stiff and has trouble bending her knees with walking. Um, and then we put her on the Galileo and she's bending her knees more and bending her hips more, so getting more clearance through swing. Um, as far as carryover goes though, it, it doesn't, there's not like a long lasting effect. Our patients are telling us that by the end of the day or the next morning, they're really stiff again. Um, we haven't had anybody using it long, long term, like five months or anything like that. So I don't know what the cumulative effect would be in that time, but I know that we're seeing instant results. And that's a really big thing for our next slide actually, because the next slide, here's my OT shout out. Um, in the back of the room there, Cindy, my, o my OT shout out. Here's my OT shout out. <laughs> The dumbbell vibration, um, so I don't use this one, our OTs use it and they, we have it, um, but I can tell you a lot of our patients who have a lot of flexor tone in their fingers, they get this thing around and our OTs actually have to help hold their hands on there sometimes. Um, and you will see within a few minutes, the patients are able to open their hands fully, most, for the most part. Um, so you see a lot of instant improvements with this device um, for the upper extremity. But again, as far as the lasting effect, we haven't seen anything probably more than a few hours. Um, so it's a device that will have to be considered, strongly considered to get at home. Um, and as far as insurance reimbursement goes, I'm, we haven't tried to order one for anyone, uh, so I, I'm not sure. All right, robotics. So I've been very fortunate to work with the Kessler Foundation with uh, some of these devices. So we just, um, left to right, the rewalk is a is an exoskeleton out of Israel that is, has FDA approval um, for home use. And uh, in Europe, they're able to use it up and downstairs. We aren't able to do that here yet, um, but I know they're constantly working with the FDA to get that approved. Um, and so the, the rewalk, um, patients can try to get it for home. Uh, it costs probably around 80, 70 plus thousand dollars. Um, we are gonna start having clinics here at Kessler where patients can come in be fitted for the device, try it for a few times before they make the decision. If they decide to move forward with purchasing the device, there's a lot of training involved. Um, they bring somebody in uh, with them, like a family member that goes to the training with them to help make sure that we understand how to guard patients. Um, but this is right now the only one patients can get for home use. The, the EXO in the middle is from a company in Berkeley, California. and. Um, they are not approved for home use yet. They can, you can get it for home, but if you get it for home, you're enrolled in a study with them where you have to stand and walk for an hour and you have to go to California for this whole training. Um, but it, it's around $100,000. And the EXO uh, is the, really the device we're using a lot right now here. Um, so it's the device that I've had the most experience with. Um, and from a clinical standpoint, I really like it because like the Locomat, it's highly adjustable and I can adjust it very quickly. So if I see, if I put a patient in the device and I want to just quickly change uh, step length or the speed, it's two, three clicks of the controller and it's adjusted. Um, whereas the rewalk, I have to plug into my computer, change something and then send it to the device. And so it takes a little bit longer. Um, and then the, the fitting of the rewalk takes a little longer also. So to change the sizes, you have to take the device off the patient. For the EXO, if I just want to tighten the hips or lengthen a leg or shorten a leg, I can just take my screwdriver and like a car mechanic just real quick, and it's done. Um, so as far as ease of use, the EXO, um, which we use in clinic a lot right now, is, uh, is what we've been using. And then the Indigo, we just completed a study here. Um, 
It is another exo device. It's, uh, it comes in pieces, so the leg piece, the lower leg piece, the upper leg piece, and the hip piece are all their own segments, and so you can just, you have to connect them. Um, it's very streamlined. This device actually fits in a lot of the wheelchairs that patients have. I believe the size is 18 by 18. Um, so it was really nice for our patients we used it with in research. We could put the device on, put them in a chair, roll them somewhere if we wanted to do something specific like a ramp or grass, um, and it was really easy to get them around. The XO is a lot, a lot larger and, and more difficult to sit down and stand up in, so the Indigo is nice. Um, they're all operated by uh, push of buttons, so the rewalk has the watch operation. The patient has to decide on the mode hit the mode and then on the beep takes its first right step and then as they lean they just keep moving and to stop they kind of have to catch their toe to stop. With the EXO uh, the patient has a, um, a button on the walker or on the crutches that they can put the machine into walk mode. They hold the button and again they shift left and take a right step and there's sensors on the foot plates that as they hit a target forward or sideways will allow them to keep taking steps. If they want to stop they just don't do the weight shift. Um, my most experience with the EXO, so I can talk about safety with it. For example, if the patient hits a target and then falls backwards, the machine will kick out the leg to try to bring them forward again. Or if they lose their balance forward, it will stop the step and land fast. Um, so we haven't, I mean, knock on wood, it's been really safe with patients. We haven't had to use a tether. We haven't used a tether. Um, we are choosing pretty ideal patients right now, but um, it's been really good. You can tell the device can sense when the patient's off balance, and it tries to correct. Um, so that's been really nice. Um, in the rewalk, you have to stub your toe to stop, so I'm, I haven't worked with it as much, so I'm not sure how patients feel about that one. Um, and the indigo was just a leaning feature. I could lean forward to make it go forward and lean back to stop. So that was pretty user-friendly for the patients as well. So I have some of the stock videos for these. This is rewalk. So the patients can get into this one themselves. I guess you don't really need to listen to that music. Um, you can just read the slides because there's no words. Um, so the patient can get into the, from the transfer from the chair into the rewalk, um, put it on and just start going. But through the watch again, they just push a button. This is an old video, but I did ask them for a recent video and that's what they sent me. So this is probably their favorite video. Um, so you'll see her take some steps. She just leans forward, moves the crutches and it goes. Um, again, this device patients are using on, on ramps and in Europe on some stairs, but here in the States it's just level services. Bless you. So that's what that looks like. All right. The EXO, um, the rewalk we, we can only use crutches with. Um, that's what the manufacturers of the device want us to use. I don't, I've never used, I haven't used that often, so I, I've never used it with a walker. The EXO, we start with the walker, which is nice, because we can put some of our high-level Tetras in it. Um, so I, I believe he was C7. Yeah, C7, so doesn't quite have full hand function, but he can stand himself up. I mean, Eric is not helping him at all. He can get himself up nice and tall. So this is the sit-to-stand. And then walking. So he's just leaning side to side, and as the, mo the momentum of the leg goes forward, helps him move forward, and he's able to take reciprocal steps. Um, so again, this device, because of the walker use, we can use it with patients who have more uh, neurological involvement. And then this device has the, the walker, I'm sorry, the crutches as well. All right. And that sums up. <laughs>